What's up, folks? This is Tony Brewer. You're listening to Cogitations. Cogitations is the podcast where we think about things, we contemplate them, we turn them over in our minds, and then we discuss them. Daniel chapter 7, verse 28, Daniel writes, Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me, my countenance changed in me. But I kept the matter in my heart. Now, we're not going to keep the matter in our heart. We're going to talk about it. And today, we're going to talk about the armor of God. And we're not going to talk about the armor of God so much as an exegesis of Ephesians chapter 6, 10 and following, where we break down what each piece of armor is and what it does and all of that good stuff. Uh, there's, I may do that in a future episode. But I think everybody is familiar enough with the armor of God. And I'm going to read that passage of Scripture. But something was said in a podcast that I normally listen to that kind of struck me. And I've never thought about the practical nature of God's armor and how it actually protects us in this world. So we're going to talk about that in today's podcast. Before I get into the meat of the podcast, though, I would turn your attention to the show notes. We need support as podcasters. Uh, you can do that through Patreon, www.patreon.com forward slash near churches. Uh, you can also support me in a couple of other ways that are in the show notes. Uh, that is only supporting me as a podcaster, though. That does not have anything to do with the missionary work that I'm involved in. Uh, that's totally different. This is just for my podcast. That money does not go to the church. It goes to me personally. So just you need to be aware of that. In fact, if, uh, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop there. Um, Ephesians chapter 6. What's up, Wayne Vaughn? Good to see you. And uh, we've got a couple of folks watching. Uh, these uh, don't typically get a whole lot of traffic as my, as my Facebook page is kind of small. So I would ask you to be the algorithm and be the notification. If you see my content anywhere, share it. Interact with it. Never underestimate the value of, as Wayne did, typing a, type a message. Brandon Dreschner, hello, man. So type a message, interact with it, share it. Be the notification, be the, the algorithm. Gita, good to see you. Uh, good evening, Tony Brewer, Tony Brewster. This is a surprise. Yes, I have a weird schedule, and um, I'm, I'm, I make very few um, promises. 9, 9 p.m. my time, eight, 7 central time, 8 eastern, I go live on digital Bible study. Whenever Aaron uh, gets through with this whole birthing this baby, uh, him and his wife are having this child, uh, once they get past that, uh, we're going to go back to at 10 p or 10 a.m. Um, 10 a.m. Central, 11 Eastern, 12 Atlantic. We're going to go back to doing the the Christianity Now podcast with me and him, and I'm I think it's fun. Gita, whenever you said Brewster, I thought that that you were just being uh, uh, what's the right word? I thought you were being affectionately humorous. Um, so anyway, don't, no problem at all. Uh, but yes, it is Tony Brewer, but, um, people, people, uh, we mess around with each other and stuff like that. And we'll call one another outside of our names. Um, let's get into the podcast. I'm so thankful that you're all here, by the way. All right. The armor of God, Ephesians chapter six, verse 10 and following 
Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now, that is a charge to these Christians in Ephesus. And it is my conviction that the next set of verses is a tool. Here's how you can be strong in in the Lord and in the power of his might. In other words, Paul is going to explain something that empowers Christians to be strong in the Lord. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all saints and for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make, to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. You embolden yourself by wearing this armor so you can in turn embolden me. The armor of God is very important to the Christian. I'm not going to break down each piece of armor, but each piece of armor has a particular use and it is rooted in its its spiritual use is rooted in its physical purpose in the in the physical world. But let me fill you in on the the comment that I heard and and the problem is normally I keep a little notebook where I can jot down these ideas or I at least have my cell phone handy where I can send a text message to myself. And I was listening to this. I was on my earbud, so I wasn't near my cell phone or a notebook. And I, 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 I'm like, I've got to remember what this guy said so I can make a podcast about this because it really triggered some interesting thoughts in me. And the problem is I can't remember exactly what he said, but it was something to the effect of, I don't even worry about things anymore. I just put on the whole armor of God, and then everything is about God. And somebody was asking him how he could be bold and how he could say the things as he, that he needed to say working in an industry that typically was not or is not friendly to people of his ilk, i.e. those claiming to be Christians. Now, full, full transparency, this gentleman is not a New Testament Christian as the Bible defines the word, uh, defines the term. But he still understood this principle. I just put on the whole armor of God and then everything's about God and I just do what I need to do and it's all about God. I thought, wow, duh, why in the world did it take me listening to somebody 
that didn't have a full understanding of the gospel plan of salvation, but but to understand better the practicality of God's armor and how God's armor helps us, all right? So we've read about God's armor. You've heard me lay this foundation. Let's, let's talk about, in a practical way, how wearing the armor of God helps us be strong in the Lord and bold and, and, and formidable. It's because whenever we wear the armor of God, it's not about us. People are going to attack us. People are going to persecute us. I seem to remember that. Uh, I seem to remember that um, Paul wrote to his son in the faith, Timothy, that all who will live godly in Christ Jesus shall be suffering persecution. Um, let me answer this question really quick. Wayne Vaughn asked in verse twenty, speaking about an ambassador, are we? The same, and are we, there's a typo here, I think. Basically, he's asking, are we ambassadors? Uh, just been wondering about this. The answer, very simply put, is no. You and I are not ambassadors. Think about this. I'm in Canada. I am an American citizen living abroad in Canada. People, I can talk about the United States of America. I can tell people about the United States of America, but I am absolutely not an ambassador. I have no authority to speak on behalf of the United States of America. That's what an ambassador is. You and I, no Christian alive today is an ambassador. The ambassadors for Christ were the apostles. The apostles beseeched us in the name, by the authority of Jesus, as if God himself were speaking to us. That is not the way we are today. We are not ambassadors. Now, if you want to dilute the meaning of the word, you can say, well, we're ambassadors in a sense that we're kind of like brand ambassadors. We don't speak with any authority, but we represent the brand. Yeah, okay, that, that's fine. That, that's a usage in English. But if we're talking about what the word meant in the time in which it was written, and we're talking about an adequate uh, translation of the term used in the Greek language in Scripture, we are not ambassadors. All right? So good question. Thank you for that, Wayne Vaughn. Now, back to the armor of God. This armor protects us whenever we suffer persecution the very practical way that it protects us is they're not persecuting us. It's not personal to us. Anybody who is going to live godly in Christ Jesus is going to suffer persecution. I'm not important enough that the world would persecute me. It's all about God. That's why God gives me armor to wear. Let's go to Acts chapter 5. Let's see. I don't know where to start reading here. Well, here it is. All right. This is, this is an angel of the Lord talking to Peter. Acts chapter 5, verse 19. But at night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go stand in the temple 
and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard that, they entered the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest and those with him came and called the council together with all the elders of the children of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came and did not find them in the prison, they returned and reported, saying, Indeed, we found the prison, but shut securely, and the guards standing outside before the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the high priest, the captain of the temple, and the chief priest heard these things, they wondered what the outcome would be. So one came and told them, saying, Look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple teaching the people. Well, they they were in prison for doing that. And they said, we're going to put you in prison because you won't shut up. And then an angel of the Lord let them out. And they went right back to preaching and teaching. Then the captain went with the officers and brought them without violence. For they feared the people lest they should be stoned. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest asked them, saying, Did we not strictly command you not to teach in his name or in this name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than man. How could they do that? How in the world could they tell these people, We ought to obey God rather than man? in the face of just being let out of the prison, knowing that these people have the authority to up to to do anything under the law, up to and including bring them before a magistrate that, that has the ability to kill them. They can scourge them. They can torture them. They saw it happen to Jesus. So this is not outside their paradigm of understandable things that, that, that could play out. How could they say, look, we ought to obey God rather than man. That's our answer to you. Oh, okay. Well, then how do we deal with this? How in the world could they be that bold? It's, it's, well, it's because it's not them. They're wearing God's armor. They have the helmet of salvation. If all else fails and they die, They have an eternal life in heaven waiting for them at the day of judgment. They're going to be ushered into paradise on angels' wings. And then they're going to await the final judgment in which, or or in, in that time, they'll be ushered into heaven for eternity. That's the armor of God. These people are persecuting me, but it's not because of me. I'm teaching a message that I didn't come up with that I needed miraculous help to even understand because they didn't have, you know, when I say miraculous help to understand, I'm talking specifically about the first century that the the apostles were guided into uh, all knowledge on the day of Pentecost. And whenever they were guided into all knowledge, then they had an understanding of the fullness of the mystery. You and I, we don't have to have miraculous help to understand because we can just read the Bible. But they needed miraculous help to understand. I mean, Acts chapter 1, 
they're still looking at Jesus saying, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Jerusalem or Israel? No, you, you, you wait for a miracle and you're, you'll understand then. So they couldn't, they couldn't take any pride in what they were doing. It's just all God. They put on the whole armor of God, then it's all about God. Oh, you want to kill me? That's fine. You're, you can kill me, but it's all about God. You're not going to kill the message. Why, even Gamaliel talked about this. He said, look, these people, if this, is, if this is from God, there's nothing you can do to stop it. If it's not from God, it's not going to prosper. Well, that's our attitude, really. Is that, I mean, we, we take, a, take a page from Gamaliel's book. Anyway, let's keep going. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Him God has exalted to his right hand to be the prince and savior to give repentance to Israel for forgiveness of, and forgiveness of sin. And we are his witnesses to these things, and so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were furious and plotted to kill them. Then one in the council stood up, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, held in respect by all the people and commanded them to, be, to put the apostles outside for a little while. And then he said to them, Men of Israel, take heed to yourselves that you what you intend to do regarding these men. For some time ago, Thaddeus rose up claiming to be somebody. A number of men, about 400, joined him. He was slain. And all who obeyed him were scattered and came to nothing. After this man, after this man, Judas of Galilee rose up in the days of the of census and drew away many people after him. He also perished, and all who obeyed him were dispersed. And now I say to you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this work is of men, it will come to nothing. But if it is of God, you cannot overthrow it lest you even be found to fight against God. You see? You see what the armor does? Be bold. Let people know, look, this is, this is what we do. We stand. We stand firm. We dig in with them hobnailed sandals. Our feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. They have those hobnails in them. We're dug in. We're going to stand against the wilds, wilds of the devil. And we might fight the devil to the point where we can't advance, but by God in heaven, you're not going to push us back because we're dug in. And they agreed with him. When they had called for the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Now, here's, where the, here's, here's really where an example of the practicality of the armor of God kicks in. Listen to this. So they departed from the presence of the council. Listen to it. I want you to lean in and listen to this and really let it just marinate in your brain pan. Rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Everything we do is for Jesus. You can go to 1 Peter chapter 4. You know you can suffer as, a, as an evildoer? or you can suffer as a righteous person. The armor of God, if we stand in the armor of God and we are bold in Christ and we understand it's all about God and none about us, 
when the day of persecution comes, when the evil day, the day of persecution comes, the day of evil, you'll be able to stand and you'll understand this is not about me. This loved one that has turned on me, it's not about me. He hates God. He doesn't hate me. You'll go out door knocking and you'll get a door slammed in your face. Be like, well, I'm glad I have my shield up because God gave me armor to deal with this because it's not about me. I mean, if I would have knocked on their door and said, hey, I want to talk to you about the latest sports team. Well, you might not have had a had it had the door slammed in your face. And incidentally, that's not about you either. It's about the sports team. Think about that. Friendship with the world is enmity with God. And whenever you come as an acolyte of something, the world receives you. That means you're probably an acolyte of something you're not supposed to be an acolyte of. Just something to think about that. Something, uh, just something to think about there. Deborah O'Neill says, good point. I had never thought of it that way. It's not me, it's God. Absolutely. Yeah, I had never thought of it either. Not not in that so focused and pointed, uh, poignant of a term. Gita said, they had a fearless faith which shows their total dependency on God. I confess that at times my worrying can get the best of me. Welcome to the club, Gita. That's, that's the human condition, is it not? Everybody, I mean, Garland Elkins at 90 years old said the biggest room in his life was the room of improvement. And I can't think of a better man to ever walk the face of the earth. They've won. My point is this. Even somebody that has achieved such lofty heights of righteousness and spirituality, if he can understand, look, I, I need some, I, I have room for improvement then we all have room for improvement. We're, it's just the human condition. So good comment there. And uh, Gita's replying to Deborah, a preacher once explained that when people reject an invitation, it's not personal. They are not rejecting us, but rejecting God. That puts things in perspective. Absolutely. And that's the thing. We ought to count ourselves worthy. You know, we're supposed to be uh, followers of Jesus in everything, even in his suffering. Now, I don't think that you need to be like Justin Martyr and go to Rome during the Great Persecution and knock the emperor upside the head because he will persecute you. You know, that falls into 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, yeah, 1 Corinthians 13. Though I give my body to be sacrificed and have not love, it count, it, it's counted for nothing. It doesn't profit me anything. But let's go to Matthew chapter 5 and let's read a little bit. Matthew chapter 5, oh, hit the mic. I need verse 1. Yeah. I'm just going to read the Beatitudes here. And seeing the multitude, he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, 
for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, Jesus goes on and and builds on this in verse 11. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It's good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled under the foot of men. You're the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does a man light a lampstand or lamp and put it on a hide it under a bushel, but he puts it on a lampstand that the light may shine forth through the whole house. Follow the Beatitudes. Understand when you differentiate yourself from the match from the masses and you become salt and light, you're going to be persecuted. But understand, it's just the world. The armor that you're given allows you to withstand because it's just the world being the world. You know, I used to train horses, and we would get young young colts. That's an oxymoron. Well, it's not an oxymoron. It's it's uh, redundant. A colt is by nature young. We would get these colts in that, that's never been touched by human hands. And they would fight and kick and bite and you'd ride them. They'd buck and throw down and all that good stuff. You never did get mad at the horse because you didn't take it personally because he's just reacting the way the colt reacts. That's in his nature. I was, do you remember a long time ago, there was a television show called Zorro that Guy Williams played. And I remember this. It was I was so, so very young and impressionable. And I guess I was impressionable because I remember this from so many years ago. I don't know what the episode was about, but I think the point that was being made is just because it's in someone's nature doesn't mean it's not harmful, but I don't need it to hold it against them. So Guy Williams, uh, Zorro, Don Diego, his Zorro's his, his alter ego, but Don Diego, said, you know, one time I had a pet rattlesnake and I was cleaning his uh, enclosure and, and the rattlesnake bit me. It was still bad. I still needed help. But I wasn't angry with the rattlesnake. Well, why? The rattlesnake's just ra- acting like a rattlesnake. You know it, you expect it. That's, that's the culmination, I believe, of the armor of God. You know the world is going to act in such a way towards you as a Christian that you need the protection. And, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the first barrier of defense against the wiles of Satan, against the way the world acts against Christians, is the knowledge that it's not personal. It's just that they are people acting the way the world is going to act. Anyway, I thought that was pretty neat. And I, I, I enjoyed I enjoyed the podcast, and I enjoyed talking about this. Um, it's hard to do what you're supposed to do as a Christian. As Gita uh, talked about, you know, sometimes worrying can get the best of me. It's hard to live in this world and do what you're supposed to do and just give it all to God. But remember, we wear the armor, and we're also armed with knowledge. That the world 
is going to act like the world, and the world persecutes people who are different. Once you differentiate yourself from the masses, as Christians do, you're going to be a target. It's not about you. You just do what you do, and you count yourself, or you rejoice that you have been counted worthy to suffer for the cause and authority of Almighty Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Folks, thank you so much. Please consider supporting me as a podcast or as a podcaster. Uh, those ways of doing that are in the show notes. The easiest way is www.patreon.com forward slash near churches. And uh, that's all I've got here. Be sure and be the algorithm. Be sure and be the notification bell. Share, share, share. Go to Podbean, go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, and share my podcast to your timeline and invite your friends to say, hey, listen to this. That's all we ask. Thank you so much. God bless you. This has been Tony Brewer for Cogitations, talking about the armor of God. And we'll catch you on the flip side.